Hello, welcome to the Theology Podcast. It's great to have you with us for another show. And we are really excited uh, today to be joined by a guest. And we'll talk about who that guest is in just a moment. But let me, first of all, introduce myself quickly and then the other guys just to remind everybody who we are. Or maybe this is the first time listening to the Theology Podcast and you have no clue who we are. So that's why we do this. Anyway, I'm C.R. Wiley. I'm a pastor. I serve a church in the Pacific Northwest. I've been I've been a real estate investor. I've, I've been a professor of philosophy. I've written some books. And my latest book, uh, In the House of Tom Bombadil, is doing pretty well. In fact, it sold out for the third time on Amazon. So nice. you can't actually today get the hardback on Amazon. But uh, hopefully they'll have it back in stock soon. Anyway, that's enough about me. How about you, Glenn? Glenn Sunshine. I'm a senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview and a ministry associate with Reflections Ministries in Atlanta and a retired history professor. And I am in South Bend, Indiana right now where it is blizzarding. All ah. right. <laughs> well, if we lose you, if we lose your connection, we'll know that uh, that's the cause. <laughs> yeah, the roof collapsed or something. <laughs> All right. All right, Tom. Uh, Tom Price. Uh, I teach systematic theology, Christian ethics, and philosophy. Um, one of the places is Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. We had a blizzard last Saturday, but we're digging out, as we tend to do very quickly in the New England area. That is one of the things we do well. <laughs> one of the few things we do well in New England, but that is one of them. <laughs> um, uh, that, that and maple syrup. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. All right. Well, I'd like to introduce our guest. Uh, we are honored to be joined by Arthur Kwan Lee. Arthur is an award-winning artist uh, and a painter. And I learned about Arthur through our friend Aaron Wren. He had Arthur on. Uh, a little while back and interviewed him. And I was fascinated uh, with not only his story, but his art. And uh, so we connected shortly after that and had a little phone call. And it was a it was an enjoyable conversation. And it occurred to me that it'd be great to have him on the show. So welcome, Arthur. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. It's an honor. Well, you know, I think a, a good way for us to start is just kind of hear your story a little bit. Um, how did you get into the arts? And uh, tell us a little bit about your training and, and anything else you want to give us in the, in, in the way of your background story before we actually get into some of the other things we want to talk about. Sure. So I'll, I'll do the um, long story short version. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, my father, he's actually a Presbyterian minister. And my mother, she's a composer, um, the university level. She has a dissertation in music theory. So I was always surrounded by classics and aesthetic knowledge. Uh, I think what happened is I often tell people I'm sort of this visual fusion of them, right? When I'm exploring this sort of philosophical subject matter with, you know, aesthetics in our history. And that's sort of the, you know, a, a good encapsulation of where I am in regards to my identity and the foundation of what undergirds my art. But what, you know, the way it unfolded was I was also uh, an adamant martial artist. And I had, I had the choice to either go to art school or join the national Taekwondo Olympic team. And for me, it was like, you know, I'm tired of getting kicked in the head and I want to embody. I think for me, it was more of like putting down the sword, the pick of the brush sort of thing. But I'm, I'm mentioning the martial art component in passing because I definitely try to embody that warrior spirit in my painting, which is definitely a factor as well. So uh, that led me to art school where I was surrounded by this postmodern academia where 
I, I fell into this literalist social camouflage and playing the art game, not just the art, but the actual art industry. And uh, yeah, following that ladder, I got to exhibit across you know, Milan, Tokyo, Berlin, wherever, you name it, internationally. So the Art Basel, I won Artist of the Year in 2020. And that all sort of turned once um, I got out of that camouflage showing my conservative predilections. And here we are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's dig into that a little bit, Arthur, because, you know, there are a lot of fun things to sort of explore and also some kind of unhappy things. And I want to spend time kind of on the second half of the show talking about the unhappy stuff with the cancellation and how you've responded to that. I want to spend kind of the front end of the show talking about the art and your story. Um, Yeah. Where'd you go to school? The Corcoran uh, College of Art and Design, which is now a part of George Washington University, the Corcoran School of Arts. Um, okay. Okay. You know, we're we're talking about BC, the swamp, right? So right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that world. Yeah. Now, uh, I think I shared with you a little bit that I've got you know some background uh, with the arts uh, in my own life, but also my extended family. So kind of the world you're describing is pretty familiar to me <laughs> and actually it's familiar to both the other guys, you know, cause we've been in academia for forever. Right. <laughs> and, and the, yeah, I mean, so, it, it's like the, the, uh, you mentioned the DC arts. I mean, I, I wasn't far below, I did Virginia Commonwealth university had one of the leading art. It still has one of the leading art schools in the country. And I was in the performing art school. I did my undergrad in classical jazz music and so um, what, what you mentioned in terms of the way in which you're easily ingratiated into that world when you conform to, to kind of the canons that are popular in academia um, and they will thrust you right into the center. But the minute you deviate from that, you're thrown right out um, is something very familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I want to dig in a little bit uh, to, you know, your aesthetic, but I also, you know, think it's, be, you know, worthwhile thinking about, you know, your background in the martial arts. I mean, so you're obviously a guy who's fit, who uh, cares about uh, certain traditionally, you know, sort of uh, masculine interests. Uh, I follow you on Instagram, so I, I see, you know, the, the stuff that you post and, you know, the stuff you like to talk about. So you're 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 a man's man, you're a guy's guy, and a lot of people don't associate uh, painters <laughs> with that, you know. <laughs> so talk a little bit about that. How how has that worked out for you? Well, I think uh, the first thing is that the the feminization of the society is it's painted this image of masculinity in the stereotypical. I guess box where you're, they're either this meathead who has no aesthetic sense, or you're this Poindexter loser who has, a, <laughs> you know, who's very cerebral. And, and I, I find this, you know, for me, it's um, they they always came hand to hand, and I think it could just be the fact that I've always had an interest in in not, you know, not pursuing. I always had a desire to pursue more like wholeness, you know, a, a holistic life rather than perfection, right? So I think it's just like my being raised under a religious household, kind of knowing my place. So I've always tried to like sort of grow from there. And for me, it's just, it's just a, 
part of being a balanced man. You know, today we'll, we'll what is the main way this is excavated? Well, they talk about archetypes, Joseph Campbell, Peterson, Young, all of these uh, influential thinkers. It's sort of like the, like, you know, going halfway to religious thinking, right? Yeah, right. I've always felt that without being able to articulate that. So they came hand to hand for me. And um, it's, it's funny because I feel like if there's anything to take away from the show to start off early, which is that that energy always goes somewhere. You cannot negate it. I often notice that the men today who always say men who are interested in the arts or who are interested in uh, aesthetics are feminine. The, the, the primary you know, demographic that says that are these guys who want to seem so macho. So they like your your aesthetic sentiment. Yeah, I mean it's important to understand that like you can't actually negate these psychological forces. They it's just about they always go somewhere, right? And most of the people who talk who downtrap who you know talk negatively about men who care about aesthetics as feminine, they are absolutely possessed by this desire of aesthetic virility and show looking like macho men because they don't want to they don't they're not sodding after any substance. And yeah. I mean, you should care about your body. I, I get all that. It's, it's all health. But um, my my point is, it always goes somewhere, and, and you cannot escape the fact that you do care about aesthetics. It's just about whether you're conscious of it and you're able to um, deal from it. I've always yielded it uh, with my medium, which is painting. So right. for me, it's obvious. It yeah, is. yeah. Those are great points. Like when you think about like David in scripture. You know, here's a musician who could kill you. <laughs> you know, so he was a, he was a well-rounded guy when it came to you know he had had an, an ability to write you know poetry that uh is with us to this day and he could fight and he was you know a man in full as aristotle would say along with that chris that this is um you know the idea of the warrior scholar warrior artist is something that's deeply embedded in asian culture uh but you even right. find it in the west um, one of the ancient Greek thinkers, I forgot which one it is off the top of my head, said that if you separate your scholars from your warriors, you have your thinking done by cowards and your fighting done by fools. Right, right. Yeah. Amen, we, amen. We, we ought to uh, aspire to what I think Arthur is directing our attention uh, to. Now, now you're a painter, Arthur, uh, and what's what's the media you work with when you paint? Are you oil? Uh, I'm, I'm an acrylic painter now. I, I used oil for a good eight years, and some of my my masters were saying, "What are you doing with?" Oil? I mean, uh, not to get too technical, but like, there's no medium superiority, but there is superiority and medium specificity, right? If you want to capture life as it is, are you going to pick up a camera and do photography, or are you going to paint? You're obviously going to pick up a camera, right? But if you want to capture a certain vibration and have your hand and movement associated with it, painting might be better. So that applies even specifically into the world of painting. And I and acrylic is just my voice. I love mark making. I love stacking multiple uh, layers and, and kind of doing something explosive and vibrant. You know, so that's uh, acrylic is the way to go for me. Well, that definitely comes through in your work, and uh, we have an ability to show folks some of your work here. Uh, on our, uh, you know, YouTube channel and our Facebook page. So if you're listening to the show and you uh, are wondering what the work looks like, you need to go to one of those places because uh, 
we're all going to be in black and white, but Arthur's work is going to be in full vibrant color. But, <laughs> but when, nice. when you, you said wow. that Arthur, you know, you know, you're, you're, what's the thing that really is very striking about your work is it's vibrancy and it's power and it's color. Can you maybe talk to us a little bit about some of these works that you've, uh, uh absolutely. Yeah. Well, 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 a, a big thing is that, um, I do identify myself as a right-leaning artist, and I have to say this in the context of looking at my art because the left wants desperately the secular world to believe that if you are a conservative artist, you know you're going to be painting the Statue of Liberty and like old presidential <laughs> figures and a bald eagle flying <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, and, and, right, and, right, and this right. is what they want. This is what they want. And um, I'm not Scott Lebedo or John McNaughton. I'm not painting in this fashion. My thing is like, I'm painting like, uh, you know, art that they would venerate, which they did until, you know, I betrayed them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the language I'm exploring is, uh, I am trying to sort of make wisdom sexy in a way, something of that sort, you know, you know kind of, kind of, uh, it's almost like you're looking into like a history book while eating a bag of Skittles. Like, like there's like something <laughs> of that sort I'm trying to play with, you know? Um, yeah. but, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the language I'm interested in. You know, I, I had a, you know, I had to show my art to this. Uh, to this group of high school kids once and you know one of the kids messages me on Instagram says I've had your art as my wallpaper for like several months now and he's like you know I just realized I've been looking at an image of Christ for three months nice. and, I, and I'm not even a Christian and I'm like you know you're planting seeds right there see and, and my, my interest is, has always been in the culture because of that you see what I'm saying it's like you yeah. can deeply influence people culturally so that's sort of the nesting ground of where, where I'm producing from, you know? Yeah. Now, when it comes to your aesthetic, uh, I know ba based on our conversation and what I heard you say to, to Aaron, you know, you, you're, you're drawing from a, some, a, from a traditional aesthetic. So may, maybe you can explain to our, our audience what that means, or maybe I've put it in a way that you would put it a little differently. Yeah. Yes. Um, my, I guess my North Star that I'm producing toward is painting under universal standards that are passed on pedagogically when you look at art historical standards. And um, postmodern art is just an arm of the radical left because right. that's what they're using it for. You know, I mean, uh, after all, art schools that are basically left, you know, leftist institutions that are just brainwashing their artists to political agents, they're, they, you know, that was the foundation of all that was written by John Murphy in the Frankfurt school. He wrote art in the social world and he clearly made it. He, you know, that's what all these um, academics are using as, as to educate these young artists, right. To strip them of that spiritual desire. And I believe that the greatest masterpieces are undergirded by religious subject matter. And that's the sort of the standard that I'm producing from. So all of these figures that you see, they are referring to our past, you know, this idea that there's patterns here to our traditions. Um, and that implies wisdom. And that's sort of what I feel like the, the functionality of art is. So that's the first thing you'll feel in my language. You know, this rejection of 
what the left ultimately wants, which is relativism, right? So, so I'm, I'm still playing with the trappings of relativism in a way with this pop art, color sensibility and all that, but I'm doing that for a reason because then I can put my foot in the gallery, right? Yeah, but right. I'm planting these seeds. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm doing? Yeah. Because yeah, I need a, yeah. I, it's almost like I'm, I'm, I'm going out to their turf and then I'm showing them the realness. Yeah, this reminds me a little bit of T.S. Eliot and his approach. You know, he's classified as a modernist in terms of his poetry, but he was a very orthodox Christian and was able to produce great right. poetry on the terms that the secular audience would ex would receive. But then there was a kind of, I guess, uh, mystery to it in the sense there was something going on beneath the surface that, you know, you could see if you thought about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love I love the Italian, yeah. And I think that I mean I think that's very much part of the the richness of being being Christian in the right sense of the word is that there there is this capacity to not be hindered by the context that we have to enter into because they they don't determine us the way they do the left. And so we can enter into it, we can actually pick up where they are and yet bring them into a place that they're not. You know what I mean? And I think that's what's brilliant about that. Um, I, I mean, one of the things, I, I, you know, I mean, I can notice by the picture that I see. Yeah, maybe, maybe Arthur, you can introduce this particular piece. Sure. I um, I mean, not, not to interrupt your flow there, Thomas. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so, so this painting is uh, sort of uh, maybe uh, overconfidently titled All and Everything. <laughs> and of course, of course it isn't All and Everything, but at that time, it was just so daunting that I just you know, felt like titling it something ambitious uh so at the top we have all these celestial figures yeah right. and anything that we want to protect so these are placed very intentionally there's nothing random about these compositions the mark making yeah. implies that but the actual sp specific subject matter and the placement is very specific so yeah. on the top we have celestial figures things you want to guard things that are regarded as sacred in our culture because what i want to do is bring back reverence because that's yeah. what our culture is against today because reverence yeah. implies hierarchy you know yeah, and, right. and yeah. And in the middle, we have like these these warriors and guardian-like figures from Achilles. There's Beowulf holding that creature in a cavern when she, when he was entering, um, when he was going to fight the archetype of the Barrack Mother. We have right. these medieval knights. We have all these guardian figures. And at the bottom, I, think we have I the even see Venus in there. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Good eye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and I will say that we are looking at work uh, in 2019. And, yeah. and the reason why I actually sent these, you know, uh, these these works that, that we're looking at together, it's worth noting that I was, I recognized in retrospect, and I'm sharing this with you, with you all, that I was unconsciously um, under the shadow of pantheism at that time. This idea that all roads religiously lead to the same road. And I will say it's because I was incredibly impressed by the, the, the intellectual like 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 abilities of of these of you know young and capital all these figures they were just like so impressive and they are impressive but I will say that like I am making a different turn and it is worth sharing that the work that I'll be producing going forward will be heavily biblical it's worth noting noting that as well yeah well one of the things I was going to say is that what what I, I mean what I get from it as a Christian is is there is that holistic sense but I do see that transcendent sense in which. I, I think usually our step out of naturalism is pantheism, you know, if, if we're coming from naturalism. 
Um, yeah. And then we begin to see that the identity, I mean, as a Christian, the identity between God and everything else is not shared. It's asymmetrical. And, and yet that doesn't mean we get rid of all this. What it means is it actually all has its place. And that's one of the things that I, I, I think I was profounded by is I saw all of these things, which are part of the created order, which kind of attest to, like you said, the created order, hierarchy, meaning, substance. If it's left to itself, it ends in pantheism. But if, it, if it's actually, if, it, if it's rendered as, as a way of, of mimicking the created order, then it points to the kind of Christian transcendence that, um, you know, that, that we would kind of hold as Orthodox Christians. So, so I see, I, I, that's what, one of the things, that's why I was kind of curious about it is that I saw all these different things. Um, the way St. Paul would kind of put it is that, you know, creation echoes itself in, in the sense that the invisible attributes are clearly seen in creation. And although we suppress them, nevertheless, it gets through in different ways. The Greeks, you know, sometimes follow what is the natural law when they haven't been given the, the full law. Nevertheless, it misses the mark. We need Christ, who is the one who, who kind of brings these things to their full truthfulness. And so, but I like the all-encompassing nature of it, because I think pantheism is often the alternative to a true Christian vision. And I think the true Christian vision allows it not to become idolatrous, whereas pantheism does. So anyway, that's just a kind of theological. No, no, I, 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 I think that that that's that's um, very good stuff. I, I I think that's the attraction. So many good men of, and I guess I'm saying like based conservative good men have towards like paganism. Often, you know, it's yeah. almost like they're they're, they're looking elsewhere. Because, and I almost feel like it's because, you know, they're the same distaste they have towards collectivism almost has like a similar palette to fundamentalism. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so rather than, yeah, and, and in turn, they're looking for like a direct experience and they at least acknowledge that the materialist worldview is not everything and it's very dissatisfying. Like, they at least acknowledge that. And I feel like rather than, you know, rather than returning to the cross in, in a certain holistic manner, they they look at something that looks sexier. You know, you know, that, you know, and the trappings of it. I, I think that's kind of um something I've been something I've been noticing also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great to have it's great to have you there, kind of uh, as a spokesman for the faith, Arthur, with a lot of these guys. For example, I know that you, uh, you know. Uh, are connected to a friend, a mutual friend of mine, or, and you, uh, Michael Foster, and kind of the world that you guys are both involved with, which is, you know, got other people in it, like Jack Donovan. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's great to have a guy like you or and a guy like Michael Foster there to represent the faith in a way that those guys can respect. Yeah, it's, uh, good stuff. Sure. So, Glenn, I, I see that you had a question there. Yeah, um, uh, two quick things. One of them is that I think one of the reasons why uh, people who are the, 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 in the mansphere, the, they tend to head toward like a Norse paganism or something like that rather than to Christianity is that they associate Christianity very much with, you know, the God and country kind of thing. But the country has gone in the wrong direction. And so Christianity is sort of implicated in everything that they see as being wrong. Um, 
you know, just because of, of, of the myth of a Christian culture here. Well, yeah. Yeah, I also think that there's another dimension to that, and that's kind of the 19th century feminization of the faith. You know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, think about Christianity and associate it with their grandma and Sunday school and mm-hmm. cherubs and stuff like that. Yeah. And yep. uh, the kind the kind of, uh, uh, I guess, kitsch art yeah. that uh, we all kind of like cringe with that we, when we look at it, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, getting back to some of your work here. Well, actually, I have sure. one more thing on this oh, yeah. painting. Um, I, I want to see if I'm reading what you're doing correctly. Sort of toward the bottom right, you have what seems to me a pretty obvious memento mori uh, with the the two faces with the skull in between or maybe the two halves of the same face with the skull in between. But just to the left of it, there's a bird. Is that a phoenix? Yes, that is. Slavic phoenix, okay. yes. Okay. Nice. Nice. I just wanted. I just wanted to make sure I caught that one right. Thank you. You guys all have daily eyes. This is um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, th- but this is a good point for us to encourage our listeners to check out your 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 website, Arthur. You you you're, you've got prints available, and uh, people can go there and buy your work. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how to find your work and and how to buy it? Sure, absolutely. So um, don't look up Arthur Lee. He's like one of the most famous drummers and one of the most famous bands ever. So uh, <laughs> I'm not going to come up. If you look up, don't look up Arthur Lee art because <laughs> then it's all fan art of this man. Uh, um, not the Rolling Stones, but it's 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 it's, it's that level. Um, yeah. But look up uh, Arthur Conley. I got I got to do the Asian thing. Sorry. Sure, sure, absolutely. <laughs> put the, put oh, the yeah, that's, great. that's great. <laughs> Arthur Conley on all platforms. Uh, social media is Arthur Conley. Go to ArthurConley.com also if you want to get in touch or see my art. If you are an artist and, you know, I created the Genesis Council of the Art Collective also because, you know, I was a part of a couple art collectives in New York City uh, for within three years. And it was just me looking for a space to share my work and to actually get legitimate vetting and critiques you know you know the idea that iron sharpens iron that applies on the mat if you're wearing your gear that also applies aesthetically and i sort of created this because today art circles are you know art collectives are just places for leftists to get together and bash conservatives you know and it's it's so silly it is it is and and, um so i just created my own and and so if you're an artist you want to want to participate in that's, and we're not just painters or sculptors or photographers or filmmakers, but we're all uh, creative people. So, so there's different nice. ways to uh, get in touch with me. So, if, yeah, if you if you want my art, if you want to talk, Google Arthur Quinley or ArthurQuinley.com. But if you're an artist, um, GenesisCouncil.com. Genesis for a reason, right? Right, right. That's great stuff. You know, one of the things I love to think about uh, Arthur is kind of. The Daily Routines of Artists. I don't know if you've ever seen a book entitled Daily Rituals, but what it does, it's it's a book that's available on Amazon, and it just looks at sort of the daily sort of habits of famous, uh, you know, creatives uh, in history. Everybody from Albert Einstein to Mozart or whatever. So what's your your, uh, routine? When when do you like to paint? And uh, is there like a a pattern to to your process? Yeah, so, so I, I'm very regimented. <laughs> there, there, there's the uh, um, organic, uh, romantic part of just being in tunnel vision, loving what I do, right? But then there's really 
there's also the mechanical side nobody talks about putting in your hours right yeah so yeah. I, I i i still get up pretty early um right now i'm, I'm in virginia uh kind of figuring out where i want to move next because i just got out of the uh the, the cesspool that is Democrat run New York City, but <laughs> so, 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 so right right now I'm not I'm not following the schedule. I'm not abiding by it. But uh, when I'm in my usual mo, I, I get up pretty early, and then the first thing I do is I go to the gym. And okay, I, I'm I'm really big on uh, you know, uh, if I consider it a part of my routine. Actually, I think that if you want to be like I often tell other artists that if you want to take your art to the next level you got to get in better shape. And I don't mean you, you, I'm not saying go on a stage and and strip or something absurd. I'm saying like, you know, you got to get your heart going and that those, because it's, you know, all the energy is going to, going to come out into your medium. And I I often share that a big part of my painting influences from my combat training. And I I mean, I'm a, I'm a fighter too. You know, I think about judo, jujitsu and all that stuff. So, yeah, there is a virility to your work. It's nice to see. And uh, so you start off uh, with working out. What time do you get into the gym? Usually like 8 or 9 a.m. if if, if it works out. Because right now, I'm, again, it depends, sure. but usually around that time. Yeah, something of that sort. And then I go, and I usually paint for, we're talking like, you know, around seven to eight hours a day. Because my style well, okay, is very wow. demanding. Yes, yes. You, you know, I, I remember when I was having multiple solo shows in Manhattan one year. And, you know, just to give perspective, if you have one show and you do pretty well and it's marketed well, that can cover your year, right? And, and yeah. I, there was a time when I had six shows in one year. Wow. And during that during that time, um, and this is when I was like the golden beta boy, right? Yes, you are a token Asian. You're doing your thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's pretty funny. but 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 during that time, it's like, you know, somebody asked me, like, how are you getting so many shows? And then uh, th- this artist, you know, he-, he just graduated. And I told them, well, I'm painting quite a bit. They said, I said, well, how many hours are you painting a week? So, well, I go, well, I paint, you know, maybe like six to eight hours a week. And I'm like, well, you got to work, man. You got to paint. Yeah, and then yeah. and they come talk to me, you know. So, it, it, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm painting most of the time, right? So people know me as this guy who goes on all these platforms as well. But it's like, well, this is because, one, because I I'm deeply do care about the culture wars, you know. Because I don't, I'm not a I'm not a conservative who just says that politics is done from culture. I want to produce culture and I want to actually influence it. So, right. with that said, like, um, I, I got to put my hours in the studio, but then I also got to talk to gentlemen like yourself here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Do, you, do you find there's a particular time of day that you maybe feel like the juices are flowing more than other times of the day? Hmm. I, I I make sure I'm there from like you know from from twelve to like the evening. Every I I, I mean I, it just I I wouldn't say so actually. I'm just in there making sure that I'm working. Yeah, that's great. So you're you're yeah. an afternoon guy then. You're kind of fun, you're kind of doing your work in the afternoon. Yeah, I mean like I have no boss. I can go in anytime I want, but I have to work <laughs> by the schedule if you're going to produce consistently you have to you know it's like anything else right 
Yeah, that's a that's a huge that's a huge thing for people to learn because I think a lot of folks who don't uh, actually produce uh, anything assume that we all sit around and wait for the muse to sort of <laughs> inspire us to. to I wish it was like that. I wish I would wake up and lightning strikes me. Oh man, I'm ready to paint. <laughs> yeah, but do you find yourself getting into the flow? I mean, I like for me when I'm writing, there's kind of like inertia I have to kind of push through, and then when I'm in the flow, it just kind of goes. Oh man. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's, here's a more satisfying answer. It's almost like there's formalism and there's contextualism. Formalism is actual color theory, the mark making the materials are used and contextualism is actual context. Uh, I believe that when it comes to art making, you have to learn the rules to break the rules. Right. So I, I, I have a lot of training and, and I've had a lot of senseis in that regard. So technically speaking, it's pretty polished. So when something really gets me stimulated in regards to the context, like, you know, let's say I just attended my, my father's service and he's explaining in detailed, vivid uh, storytelling mode about um, who knows, Cain and Elba, whatever it is. And, it, and if he gets my brain going, then I'm just like, I have to go to the studio. Otherwise, I feel like I, it's like I need a shower because I smell. You know, like, like there, there, there are those kind of moments for sure. You know, because um, that that reality tunnel of, um, of of putting it together, like like you know that it's hard to explain. It's like it's like the best greatest high, right? Because there's yeah. no hangover. Right. I get to be in the studio and 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 just be with my materials, and it just it, 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 you know what it is. It's um there's there's an old saying in in uh old Eastern saying that there's two types of pleasures. There's the pleasure of the body. But then the, the ultimate pleasure is the assertion of a skill, master of a discipline, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think that's like what I'm really addicted to, you know? Okay. And, and, yeah. And, and so it's like when the, when the content is there where I'm like, okay, this might be an opportunity for me to compete with that last composition I'm proud of. Like, and, and one of that, that's when I'll get excited. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a long-winded answer, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's great. You know, I, I think a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, craftsmanship is uh, an ability that sort of it's, it's, it occurs because people kind of get into this thing you're talking about right now. And, you know, when I think about sort of the, uh, the, the aesthetic traditions of the East, you know, one of the things that really is very strong is this uh, stress on mastering the craft. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a great thing. Um, and what I'm hearing you describe kind of relates to that. Yeah, you, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'll first of all say I'm an American. And I always say that. Uh, but uh, I, I've also noticed often that something that I think that the West would greatly value from, from Asia, is that sort of disciplinary, um, like, like seeking discipline above all else. Like that's something that I that I that I do definitely that definitely applies to my life, and I've seen it uh, permeate in a positive manner. Um, it 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 reminds me of a uh, you know I I mean again it's a double edged sword because I mean the bullying in Asia is crazy, but but because the shame is so strong there, but also it's like so cohesive, and a lot of the stuff that's being tolerated, like CRT, vaccine mandates, all this like. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of liberal pockets there, but on the whole, like, there's on certain issues, 
they're pretty cohesive on them. And, and I feel like because the West is the best, if we add a little bit, little bit of that sentiment, I think it'll just be like that. Just added body armor. Uh, I, I've thought about that often. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. I know, I know that you guys wanted to say a few things. I'm kind of cutting you off. Go ahead, Tom. No, no, no worries. Um, yeah, there's a few things. Um, I mean, back to the you know art and discipline. Um, and I know I remember from music school um, very similarly, and and as a guitarist back when that was my primary concern. It's one of those things that, yeah, you sort of wake up almost ready to breathe. And and for me, to be able to be free on my instrument, I had to kind of do, I had, had rituals you had to do. You had to do scales. You had to work with rhythmic. You needed to do reading music. You need to work with chord and theory. And you needed to do this daily. You need to be immersed in it daily. And even academically, I feel the same way. It's is um, people will remind me of things I said before, and I don't even know how I came up with them, only because I was so immersed in them at that time in a certain discipline and a certain academic kind of focus that when you're out of that discipline and focus, even if you're on another focus, you can you can kind of easily become kind of disconnected and it's, it's not as immediate to you. So so you you don't have the same freedom with with what you're trying to communicate, you know, as you know, being disciplined with it, your focus and practices are. And I mean, I I know similarly. I mean, my um, my mother's family's from Finland, and they're very similarly disciplined. It's a very disciplined culture in terms of 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 um, keeping consistent with certain practices to which you don't let things get out of hand. And even, you know, and, and you see... You well, that's, be, that's because mm-hmm. that's because if you live in Finland, if you don't do that, you die uh, because you freeze to death. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you're drinking, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. I to get that. That's the other thing. So, so you're, you're also dousing yourself in spirits. Um, but, 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 <laughs> but, but, but the, you know, I think one of the things you gain from that is it, there is this sort of thing that I remember going to music school and thinking, why are certain people waiting for inspiration where I'm, I'm consistently practicing and disciplining myself. But I do, I, I will talk about, you know, I remember a, f- a familiar, if you want to talk a stere- stereotype Asian thing, I do remember this young girl, 11 or 12, from an you know Asian family, she would go in and practice the harp. She, I would see her go in in the morning and I would see them leave at when I was leaving, which is nine or 10 at night. I don't think they left for lunch. I'm just going to be honest. But I, we did a classical guitar performance for the whole, um, for the whole university, and she came out and played the harp. I have never heard music like that eleven-year-old girl on that instrument in the whole of my life, and her freedom with that form of art was unparalleled. But of course, she put day in, day out into it to be connected. Yeah, with you, you, you got to learn the rules to break the rules. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I will. I will say that, like, well, I will say though that, like, one thing that the West has that, that, that I mean, I will say, uh, uh, in on the other side though, yeah, you also meet those artists who are so fixated on a certain technical, like, formulaic method that yeah, they can't yeah. do anything that 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 flips the script. And yeah, that's yeah. another thing that I've noticed. I'm like, again, learn the rules to break the rules. And, and this is a big part of why, I mean, 
I, I mean, I mean you, you touched upon so many important things, but it's yeah. like this is the big tug of war in the gallery today, which is universal yeah. standards versus aesthetic relativity, right? Yeah. But the left right. is the one who, who is pushing relativism. That's yes. what it is, ultimately, because, I mean, look, I, 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 did a, I told that at a show called Scope in Art Basel 2019 in uh, Miami. And that same show, um, or that, there was that same event, there was, a, there was a very famous banana duct tape to a wall that sold for $150,000. <laughs> I, I okay? remember that. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> now, check this out. I mean, like, only a person who believes gender is a social construct can yeah, sure. believe that no, I mean seriously like this yeah, is this right. is how they get away with these sort of things because right. um the left they they get it man they get that the culture is how you really influence people so we have these stoic data red pill driven guys uh, over here and I like we need them you know we need the logic the rationale they're there but um they're too busy having ownership of big tech academia art galleries, Hollywood and entertainment. So they're just getting every generation just from influence. And, you know, you know, it's, it's about damn time that we have people who are not, um, being cliche artists on our side, like that, that are kind of pushing back, you know, um, like the daily wire just sort of had a touch of this, which I appreciate. And then somebody correctly critiqued them on what I'm going to say. So now they're doing this correctly. But I remember when they first started making films, there was like a short film. Somebody sent me, um, and it's like, this guy has his daughter here and, and, it's, and then there's people coming to the cabin and he picks up his firearm and he looks at her and he goes, this is my second American right. And I just felt cringe. I felt so yes. much cringe. Like, 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 okay, I get it. I get it. But it's like, it, it's, it's like they're, they're playing into a stereotype rather than just sort of standing up for standing up as whatever they identify politically and saying, no, romance, romanticism is nested in traditionality, right? Yeah, and yeah. what do you guys have, right? So I got to keep producing my content with that philosophical grounding. And, and I think that's where people are, that conversation is starting to unfold, which is what I appreciate, you know. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's time to take the culture back, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great kind of segue. Maybe I, you know, what I'd love to do here quick is we have these. Uh, we've we've shown uh, folks one of the pieces. If you could just kind of quickly uh, review for us the other four and what kind of you were thinking, and then after that, I'd like to kind of get into this this experience that you went through here recently with being canceled because uh, it's something important for people to know. But, but let's take a look at the pieces first. So this one is called Ag Agony and Ecstasy. And um, what I did here was I was really studying how different cultures have similar narratives. And again, this is going down the archetypal sort of myth yeah. um, rabbit hole. And, and it's really funny because the guardian food dog in Asia is symbolizing very similar sentiments as the Virgin Mary. And they look yeah. totally different. Right. Be yeah. Because... Because people don't know this, but the, uh, the the food dog, those little statues that are placed in front of homes, right. they are passed down from pedagogically from elders to their children to their grandkids. And the reason why is because they represent guarding familial cohesion. That's why they're placed in front of homes, nice. and it's a beautiful gesture. And that's why they, you know, it's it's like they look scary, but they love human beings, right? It's almost like um, a lot of celestial figures on our side. 
they look very like scary and ghoulish, <laughs> like protectors, right. you know. Right. And uh, and it would be, you know, stacking them together, this implication that you know a society that does not defend the mother and the child will fall to hell. So right. Right. that's sort of the language I was exploring with stacking these two together. I'm I'm very much into symbolism. Yeah, you know. Well, this this made me because I saw you talk about this with Aaron as well, and it made yeah. me think about gargoyles in Western cathedrals, and I exactly. wonder if there might be some connection between the food dog and the gargoyles. Well, well, the functionality is the same, right? Which is, uh, you know, hey, don't don't mess. This is sacred, right? Yeah. Watch yourself. <laughs> right, right, we need right. we need more of that. We need more yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 Nice, nice work. Okay, let's Thank take you. a look at another one here. Okay, what are we looking at here, Arthur? This one is titled Apex, one of my most popular paintings. Uh, this is now in a collection in Canada. This one, um, we have central warriors and conquerors throughout history. You know, we have uh, Musashi, Sun Tzu, the art of war at the top, William Wallace, Leonidas, uh, Kim Yushin, Caesar, Genghis Khan. These are just some of the most known conquerors and uh, they're stacked in conjunction to these different apex predators. So we have the killer whale, that Siberian tiger in the red, just <laughs> screaming at you like, like come yeah. get some. <laughs> the hawk into the brown bear. Right, right. So th this is just like pure um, channeling of like the warrior spirit. And yeah, if there if there was a masculine painting among these these ones you've presented, this is the one. <laughs> like you're, you're a guy that's looking. I want some fine art that that says uh, so, something that I, that I I think is not being talked enough about. This is it. <laughs> yes, you know it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, like like uh, when people wanted to collect this piece, like it was I was mainly mainly contacted by veterans and martial yeah, right, artists. Right. And I was like, right. well, then this, this makes sense. You know, it's like yeah. the spirit is just like hitting them, you know? Yeah. I spent some time in Mongolia and I recognized Genghis immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the hat yeah. there, right? <laughs> right, right, right. It's everything. Right yeah. Nice, yeah. Nicely done. Nicely done. Yeah. So let's take a look at the next one. So this is Caligula, um, who is obviously a very bad man, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what I have in front of him is uh, the sword and the stone that is not told. And I read, I was studying about this man, watching a couple of documentaries and, and, and reading excerpts about him. And I just look at him as such an example of a person of the, the archetype of the high chair tyrant, you know, the, the, the man who has power, but is on, uh, who is sitting like a toddler in that kitchen, uh, large stool complaining <laughs> about everything the mother gives him. And I felt like it was a great example, this idea that you need to, you know, yield your masculinity and, and that responsibility. Um, because, you know, I mean, this this is a villainous figure, but I feel like art is supposed to function as, you know, something that you symbolically implicate in your home, right? It's it's uh, the, the whole the whole purpose of art is, is to fortify what you believe in, right? So Yeah, sure. Now, as I look at your color scheme here, this is a departure from some of the very vibrant blues and reds that you've used in other pieces. Was, was there any thinking about how you composed this? Uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, people who are like, who are following my work a lot, they, they always notice this one's really green because <laughs> I really like red and blue. 
You know, that's kind of like, uh, th- that tends to be a, a schema that, that I'm very comfortable with, but, um, no, it's, it's the, the richness of this, uh, I was watching, uh, what was it? Like the most evil man in history about Caligula. <laughs> and then there's a depiction of him with like this dark green, um, the statue of him with the dark green curtain. And then I was like, okay, uh, this, this feels right. You know, well, that's an interesting way to put it. This feels right. I think there's something about the aesthetic apprehension uh, of meaning that is universal and communicates without necessarily kind of a, a big, you know, explanation. Well, and it yeah. brings them out dimensionally. It, it kind of brings them out dimensionally, you know, I mean, that's, that's something I see right away is, he comes out, you know, it's almost like a dimensional, you know, a picture where, where, you know, where, where the picture's reaching out of the, you know, out of the frame. And, and so I think the, the, the colors and the imagery really do that. That's, that's worth noting. I, I, my work is um, actually very thick. Like when you yeah. see the work in person, it's, it's a little, it's like sculptural in many ways. It, yeah. it, it, in many ways, it's, it's thick. I use like, um, like I had a, I had a collector send me images when the sunset hits the work, just because the actual thickness caused shadows to get all over the work, just from the ridges, because it's it's thick. Yeah. Do you use palette knives mostly, uh, or, or a mixture of brushes and palette knives? I, I use a combination, yeah. But but I but but Chris, I I I, I stack it on. I want it so that like the person just feels the richness almost, right? Because you know this, this is a uh, this is a uh, high value items here, right? That takes yeah. months and months to produce. So I want yeah. them to feel that, you know. Yeah. Right. Right. That's great. Art is magic. You know, when you put something like this up in your home, it's it just it's gazing at you, and then the yeah. energy that it was created from really is permeating. Yeah. Now, with regard to the prints, do, are there any prints that kind of get at that that layering, or is that is that just no. exclusive? <laughs> <for the, laughs> yeah, that's just the original, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting here, and I don't know if it was intentional, is if my memory serves, Caligula planned to invade Britain, but got distracted and had his soldiers collecting shells on the beach. <laughs> yes, that, that, that did happen, yeah. So, uh, again, he's a man who has no responsibility he stepped up for. The juxtaposition of that and the sword in the stone where England is waiting for its rightful ruler, I think is really interesting. And it speaks to much larger things about waiting for the proper ruler in the face of tyranny in the world today. Well, you just hit the nail dead on, Glenn. There you go, my man. I I usually like like viewers to interpret, um, because I can say exactly you know, the script of, of, of what I wrote in conjunction to my sketches, but I, I, I like to just sort of get the substrate and then I like to hear the, uh, uh, the interpretation, you know, cause it informs me a lot, but you, you might as well just have, uh, stolen my sketchbook and read it right there. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Okay. Let's right take on. a look at the next one here. Yeah, this is, my this is your favorite, favorite. Chris, right? Yeah. yeah, this is the one I wanted to buy, but you're sold out. But uh, <laughs> but I understand that there are a lot a lot of people who like it. That's why it's sold out. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I do limited edition prints, uh, 
couple times a year. Um, uh, but this one, you know, we have, it's interesting because there's a story behind this piece where I'm a member of a cigar club uh, in Alexandria and it's, it's private. Uh, so I'll be nameless here, <laughs> but, 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 but there's many um, uh, veterans in there. And one thing I was seeing is that like, you know, it's, it's, you know, these are, I, I mean, I've noticed personally that people who have served, they love art. Like this is something that I've come to really notice also. So hmm. uh, we had a conversation where, where they said, you know, you, you should make a painting based on these conversations. And I thought, yeah, you know, that all makes sense. So we have in the back, the iconic kind of raising of the flag from the battle of Iwo Jima uh, and, um, oh, yeah. surrounding and then the apex, you know, lie in there, which represents so many things from you know, the leadership, strength, honor. Uh, I've even like delved into a deeper where, where the lion in certain cultures represents benevolent fatherhood too. I'm like, that's amazing. Right. So, so all these different symbolism that's implied with it, but it all kind of points in the same direction, being upright in that example. And the surrounding it are these cigar leaves, which, which represents sort of savory in the moment, which is something that these men have done together. So. Now it's been acquired by the Special Forces Foundation, the Green Berets. So the original, it, it, it belongs to them. Um, but yeah, the print, I, I set out prints because so many people wanted this. They are out, my friend, but we will talk later. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. If you, if you ever get another run on those, I'll definitely pick it up. But I'll definitely pick up something else uh, in the meantime. I had, a, I had a quick question. I mean, it's a very interesting thing because I think it's very similar to what we deal with biblical interpretation. But... As an artist, when you, you, you kind of start developing these things and you, you obviously have some intent in what you're putting into it, but then you realize that there's, there's kind of a, a symbolic world of its own that begins to um, enter into the imaginations of those who look at your art. And those things are there even if they weren't deliberately what you were intending at the moment. Um, and I, I, th I often think of the way in which the church reads scripture. I mean, that the authors intended certain things that governs the, the general parameter. But nevertheless, there, there is a kind of there, there's a, a full richness of meaning that develops out of that. Um, and, and so, I mean, a, a figure like this, I mean, of course, you have the you put the, the imagery in the background and then the line in the center. But. All those things communicate so many things. Do you find your kind of artwork taking on a life of its own kind of after you put it out there? And what do you think about that? <laughs> all, all the time, actually. You know, you know yeah. I think that's part of the fun of it, right? Which is yeah. that here's my intention and here's the what this means to our culture, right, yeah. symbolically. But it's also, also worth noting that, you know, you, you use the word symbols, right? And, yeah. you know, a sign... Like, like a sign points to something, right? It says stop. You yeah. know, it means stop, right? A symbol. Yeah, yeah. A, a symbol is, is is a set of different cultural contexts, right? It's 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 different. It's like it, a symbol could be like a dog with horns, with yeah. like um, with with like six tails, right? Yeah. And, but that represents something based on you know, so, so so symbols are open to interpretation in many ways, but they do have like a collective agreement, you know, yeah. it's like, there's like a meta truth to that. So, um, they definitely take a life on its own. And, and I've heard, um, like I've had a, a collector who wanted a piece of mine that was, you know, it, it, it started from the same place, 
but it was a very different interpretation. And then it's fine, you know? Yeah. Because uh, yeah. either way, I, I bust my ass yeah. to make it. So. It, it, it's, <laughs> like when, it's like when I, I took a class years ago, uh, back in my college years, on Victorian poetry. And, uh, and we had a great guy. He was a Yale kind of graduate teaching the class. And, and he, was, he was great. But I remember this one girl in class. She was trying to read Victorian poetry in light of a New Age interpretation. And he said, look, look, I can grant the kind of connections you're making, he said. But, but that would have been very outside of the parameter. <laughs> that would have been outside of the parameter. So, so there is this place, like you just said, that there is, you know, there's something connected to your intent. And then there, there's a world of meaning that develops from it. Um, and you're, you're not going to kind of like close the door to people that find meaning in it the way they do. But nevertheless, it doesn't mean that the, that the ways everyone takes it is, is grounded in, in sort of the kind of things you're trying to communicate. And that, that's kind of, I think, always the balance, isn't it? That, yeah. that, that where, do, yeah, where yeah. do you, where are the boundaries? Um, and and I'm, not a, I'm not asking you to answer that, but that's one of the things that's beautiful about art is it transcends boundaries and yet, it does still permeate within them. And sometimes that's very hard yeah. for us as, as creatures to kind of navigate. Yeah, I think this is one of the things that makes some people uncomfortable with the arts. Um, but that's because they don't have a kind of third alternative or what I would say the true sort of, uh, sort, of si sort of situation in which we find ourselves. We're, we're participating in transcendent realities. You know, things that exist. So beauty is not just simply in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is something real. Goodness is something real. Truth is something real. And so different cultures, you know, will have traditions that tap into those realities and find different expressions. But it's not as though it's just subjective. I mean, those are realities yeah. that are finding ways of expressing themselves in these different places. And variety in that sense is beautiful. And we can yeah. say, wow, look, look what happened over here. Look what happened over there. Anyway, I, I, I want to kind of transition. Yeah. And those traditions are designed to preserve that beauty, right? Right, right. Yeah. So I want to transition at this point here, uh, Arthur, and talk a little bit about kind of this uh, major sort of, I, I don't know how to describe it, well, a cancellation that you experienced. So, so you, 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 were, you were, you know, sort of a, a rising in the art world. You were... Uh, receiving recognition, getting, being given awards, and then suddenly, boom, everything changes. Can you describe a little bit about what happened? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll first um, give sort of deeper historical context to, in, in, in my journey that will be really relatable to a lot of your followers, which is that like, I, I grew up on a Christian household, but at that time, there was uh, it was a very there was the church we were attending was very fundamentalist in a way, and I think that pushed me. You know, I had my own prodigal son sort of journey. <laughs> I became an atheist at that time when I when I entered art school. And if you were to if you were to ask me, you know, were you a you know are you a Democrat or a conservative, whatever you know, I would have said I was a liberal and a Democrat because I just didn't know anything. Uh, but I would have said that, you know, because I was in that echo chamber. And something worth sharing that will paint this picture more, more, more completely is that um, kind of embarrassing, but funny, is when I was with these people, 
you know, these these far leftists in the art school, by the way, which is blue hair, septum piercing, <laughs> you know, lesbianic demeanor, like 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 right, right, you name right. it, right? Like the traffic the themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so when I would be in my own private space, I would secretly like like a pornographic fetish be looking at illuminated manuscripts or visiting <laughs> churches or or, 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 or I, I, I could not deny that like while I'm with these people who are propounding relativism and being essentially social deconstructionist and ventriculating that into aesthetics, I'm going to my own home and can't deny but going the greatest art was religiously inspired. So right. as while I'm calling myself this intellectual atheist, to, to blend in, even in art school, I was still secretly, <laughs> without sharing, into art that was religiously inspired. So I'm, I was in this weird space already. And eventually, just because they're so obstreperous, I cut ties with them and I decided to look into it and I realized I was conservative for aesthetic reasons first and then the policy obviously staffed well as well. But then as I move forward um, and I start to exhibit I realized I had to go back into that. So that microcosm became a macrocosm where now I have to blend into this for my career, you know? And, and I got to say it's because it, it's one thing to be hated, you know what I mean? Or, or, or disliked. And I think as men, we don't need everyone to like us because we know what's right in our heart. But the reason why most people don't speak up is it's heavily circumstantial because it's, it's another to be hated and poor. Right, right, right. And and, and that's what I was dealing with because these people who are the gatekeepers in my industry and any other creative person that's following your podcast knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, especially if you're an actor or into like uh, fashion, whatever it is. Like, if you're in the arts today, you're most likely under the shadow or the thumb of somebody who's far left leaning, eventually at some channel. And, you know, I was getting venerated and, and written about by White Hot Magazine, Anthony Hayden Guest, internationally known British writer, all the stuff, and then Artist of the Year. All these things were coming my way. But at the same time, I was in a complex because I hated these people. I couldn't stand them. And I was yeah. going to all their parties, getting invited to all their little circles. And, you know, I couldn't help but notice that the, the culture here, look, there's all this wealth here. It's fancy champagne and, and really good food. The odors yeah. are crazy, but but there's no one here actually enjoying it. There's yeah. people here who are in this mode of like their their psychological framework is just this desire to normalize decadence where they don't even appreciate the wealth that they're around. So yeah. I didn't even enjoy the party because the social energy. I was too sensitive to that. So eventually, little by little, I was like seeing where I can push up again. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know, and then I'll be invited to the Jane Hotel rooftop bar Tuesday evenings. That's where they all party with critics and dealers, yeah. and you know, you know, all the hangout spots. Yeah. Um, and just by going to those hangout spots and getting acclimated, you can like make big connections in that sense. Right. So, so I was already hanging out with all these spots, but eventually I got to the point where it just was, it was so deafening, and. Getting to the point where, like, look, I probably wouldn't even be able to look at my father in his eyes if I keep going up this ladder just by the things that they're talking about and and, and how disparaging they talk about other people and so frivolously and how they tokenize everything. Yeah. And and I got to a point where uh, I tested out the water 
where I'm starting to put little social media posts of my conservative side, little by little. It's like it's like you're like like a being a Christian conservative is like the modern homosexual. Yeah. Little by little, coming out of the closet. Yeah, little yeah. by little, just, right. just, yeah, seeing, right. just seeing how much right. I would get. Insanity. Um, and eventually, I put up a couple posts where I just my people often tell me, especially my peers who are still in New York City right now, and they're in the closet. We'll say they often tell me, like you know, you have some going at Arthur, but I'm like, it's really not. It's really not because, frankly, like my cup of BS was just so full. Yeah. And it was just, it was more of just that. And, and I got to a point where I, I started to just, you know, I remember um, when the 45th president was going up, I just said, I, I'm, I'm going to support this man. <laughs> and, 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 and then, uh, and that, that caused a lot of turmoil. I lost a lot of relationships with, at that time I was consigned with six galleries and I lost a couple of those galleries as dealers. But then I said, it's fine. I'll, I'll keep going about it and I'll see where this goes. Um, and they thought I was still salvageable, we'll call it. <laughs> and uh, there's an interesting, um, I have to share this because it's really funny. I had a dinner with one of the galleries in the Lower East Side. And she said, look, um, I want to do a show that commemorates this new Stop Asian Hate movement with my Black Lives Matter artists. And I think this is going to be like, and she expected me to be really excited because, <laughs> you know, my planet eyes. Okay. And, and then I, I couldn't help but um, I told her, you know, I, I, I'm sharing this because I just remember her facial expression so sure, well. Sure. And I share this often because it's, it's a really good story. And at this time, I was just done. I'm fed up. I don't care what happens. I might lose these channels of income, but I'll figure it out. I knew that much. Right? I knew that much. Right. Uh, I knew I, I'm a real artist. And a real artist is a dissident. And you push against collectivism. And today, the most anti-authority thing is to be a conservative. So I knew that I was pushing against the dominant narrative. So right, right. if I'm going to be an artist, I, I, in my bones, I, I was done with them because I know yeah. you're the new authority. And, 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 and she, she, she literally, she literally said, "What do you think of this? Like, you as my Asian artist working with my Black Lives Matter artist. She's like super, like uh, she's an activist and all this stuff." And then I said that I think it's very odd that blacks assaulting Asians based on race is white supremacy. And there's a silence, okay? And yeah. then she goes, well, what do you think about Black Lives Matter then, right? And there's three sicker cows in New York City. You do not mess with the rainbow people. You do not mess with BLM. And you do not mess with feminism as, as an ideology. You mess with those three, you're, you're out of here, right? And I said, I think Black Lives Matter is a modern black base where white liberals like you go on the streets using the black identity to push your liberal agenda. Yeah. And it was, dead, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was dead quiet. <laughs> how do you think that conversation went? Like, how do you think the relationship would go? You know what I mean? Like, like I was just done. I was done. So um, it, it, I got to a point where like, I bas- word got around. And it's a pretty small circle if you're going to be selling at that price point consistently, sure. you know? We're going around and out and, and it, look, you don't get a letter. <laughs> you don't say we no longer, no, they just stopped working with you all together. And then they all just like this weird little, um, cool kid club thing. They just all like, just, they just cut you off. They all talk to each other. They stop working with you yep. and they just drop off your work at your studio. 
And then you're just in this place where you're like, okay, I got to figure this out now. So now I'm completely independent, but, um, uh, you know, here I am. <laughs> well, you know, I, I really, uh, uh, you know, respect and admire what you did there, Arthur. It's, uh, and the three of us have had to do similar things, not in the same kind of context, but we know, I think we can identify a little bit with what you had to do and, makes me want to increase my monthly support <laughs> to your work. And by the way, this is a good point to talk a little bit about that. If you, if you uh, have appreciated what, what Arthur's had to say here, you really ought to consider uh, supporting him. You know, we, we, we talk all the time about, you know, supporting worthy causes. And I'm all for supporting, uh, obviously, the work of churches, the work of institutions that try to help people who are poor and all that kind of stuff. But we really need to remember the artists among us and do this and, and support them in their work, particularly when they're, when they're saying things that uh, people don't want to hear. And Arthur's doing that. And, and I think it'd be great for folks to go to his website and, uh, you know, become a regular supporter of his work. And believe me, they want me to fail. <laughs> I, I, I've had I've had emails um, from like people that I know with them, and, and it's like they made some like fake email like Arthur Kwon Lee is the worst artist at gmail dot com. Like really? <laughs> yeah, really? yeah. We we've been yeah. subject to hate mail as well, so we know what you're talking about. But uh, you, you're yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, guys, if you guys want to support, you know, it's like you are going to be supporting the production of you know, art that is analogous to your values. And I will be putting it out on the cultural front. So, so that is what your investment goes to. Um, so yeah, that's, for sure. That's, that's great. We're going to wrap up now, Arthur. Is there anything you want to say kind of, uh, as we do anything you want to tell us before you go? Well, I, I mean, I know that, um, I need to grow a mighty beard like you three men. <laughs> That's what I know. <laughs> uh, especially Glenn. I mean, I'm... Um... <laughs> My testosterone just goes up looking at Glenn, honestly. <laughs> you know, the problem with comments like that is I can't... I, when I hear that, I can't even trim it. <laughs> oh, man. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. <laughs> it becomes the whole well, I, I tell you, I tell you, uh, uh, Glenn, uh, or Arthur, one, one day, uh, uh, Glenn's wife, Lynn, braided his beard for us. He looked like a dwarf from Lord wow. of the Rings. He... <laughs> I love it. I say, I say run with it. <laughs> That's right. Anything else you want to say as we wrap up here, uh, Arthur? No, just uh, thank you all for your time. And, you know, uh, just, uh, just keep on the fight. You know, we got to never stop fighting. And, you know, let's, let's take the culture back. That sounds great. So listeners to the podcast, you need to look up ArthurQuanLee.com and check out what uh, he has to offer there. Anyway, Arthur, it's been great to have you with us. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. All right, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Arthur. Bye. Bye.